a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights, and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today I'm joined by... Somebody from my hometown of Nottingham in England. So it's, uh, I always get a little bit, you know, I mean, I get excited anyway with guests, but I don't know when I, uh, when I speak to one of my, uh, I don't know, fellow countrymen is the right, no, fellow town is, is probably the right word. I, I don't know. Just get that tinge of, you know, we deal with guests all over the world, Australia, America, South Africa, all seven continents. But it's something really profound about when to when you do speak to one of your own, so to speak. One of your own town is. There you go. There's a word, Steve. So without further ado, um, Steve Corrie. Steve, a very, very warm welcome to you. And uh, thank you for having me on, Paul. Absolutely honoured. Excellent. So one of the things, um, Steve, we spoke a little bit about off air is um, in life in general, we spoke about this theme of when Saturday comes and what it means um, to so many, you know, to so many different people, different meanings. Now, for me and you, and I think we're going to have to be a bit careful here for the benefit of our listeners, not to dominate with football talk, because that's going to be so easy for me and you, um, <laughs> particularly around a, t a certain team in Nottingham that play in red and white. And... Um, <laughs> But in the wider context, Steve, when Saturday comes, it actually means so much to so many people, irrespective of whether they like football or not, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think that owes a lot to to just, you know, the, the work ethic of people, not just in, in, in our country, but all around the world. You know, people put such a shift in from the Monday to Friday. And then, you know, that that sort of golden period of the weekend is dares to to express their talents and, and to do what, you know, the things that their, their bosses aren't asking them to do, um, mm. whether that be like the likes of us for, for football or, or the mums teaching the daughters, you know, um, um, and, and or the fathers te teaching their, their sons and daughters baking and things like that, the rest of it, you know, a chance to express your own personal talents. And, uh, yeah, the weekend is Saturday is that, is that day where you can bring, bring you, you know, everything to life. Mm. The um, so what does Saturday mean to you personally then, Steve? It's uh, it's weird because it's from the age of uh, nine right through to now. It is always um, revolved around football, but the 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 diversity of it now and the dynamic of it's changed because you know from from always playing football, I sort of hung up my boots about um, five years ago. So then I got into to commentating, and but it's still <laughs> my Saturday, even though I'm not playing football, much to the despair of my wife. Sometimes it's it's still football, but it's just a different avenue I go into, and uh, it's 
it is for me a way of life and I can't ever see it changing. <laughs> you know, and I, and I keep saying that, um, sorry, listeners, and I do apologise for this, but I keep saying I'm not going to keep mentioning this this shankly quote of football's more than life and death, but there I have, I've just done it again. <laughs> but this, you know, and I know uh, yet again at the risk of repeating that people that don't get football, they think, oh, no, not again. But it is, Steve, isn't it? It's so, you know, I mean, let's, okay, let's take it away from football, but use football as the platform. You know, I think we've all got something in our lives, and, and obviously football is very, very globally powerful, that it's like most or a lot of other people just do not get why you've got that level of passion, be that baking, dancing, playing snooker, motor racing, whatever it is in life. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? And this is the beauty, I think, of when Saturday comes, because like you say, for not everybody, but certainly a lot of people, that it, it's that psychological, right, I've got two days break now. This is my time. This is my creative time. You know, have a duvet weekend, just, you know, roll around in my gym jams, whatever. But it's my time. And I think that's the common factor here, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. You know, spot on. It's it is that. It, that's it. It's your time. It's your time to whether, it, like you say, whether it be to express your talents or just to kick back and chill out. But that, you know, I think it, it, for me personally, it stems from that work ethic because people put such a shift in. You know, a lot of people do work the weekend, so they're <laughs> in essence their Saturday is probably their Tuesday off or whatever. But it is that mm. that free time. I, I, I'm fully with you. So, you know, there again, listeners, I've had the benefit uh, of talking to Steve off here and getting to know him in, uh, I think, quite, you know, quite well in a relatively short space of time. And, you know, I've just listened to Steve's opening words there, and I think uh, he's been very modest about what he does. I mean, he's, you know, a kind of, oh, I do a bit of commentating. Come on, Steve, stop the modesty. Tell us, I mean, what you do is, is more than a bit of commentating, isn't it? It's, it, it, it is just a bit of commentate, really. But the, the beauty of what I do is I commentate. Um, I volunteer first and foremost, so I, I don't get a penny for it. But the beauty of it, it is I do it for the blind and visually impaired. Um, so that is that is such a buzz um, mm. to get. We, we commentate the blind and visually impaired football fans. Now, some people might be listening where, wherever you are around the world and think, why would a blind or visually impaired supporter go to the stadium and not just listen on the radio at home? But, mm -hmm. you know, to try and condense it, um, you know, we've got listeners who've been going to our ground, the city ground, for, for 40, 50 years, mm -hmm. and now their eyesight has deteriorated, but they don't want to lose that match day experience. And, and this goes full circle back to what you were saying, Paul, about when Saturday comes. That's been their ritual for so long. Um, and because their sight's now impaired, they don't want to lose that camaraderie of, you know, of hearing all the uh, thousands of footsteps over Trent Bridge. They don't want to lose that feel of the plastic seat, you know, in the ground. They don't want to uh, miss the smell of the burger van. The only thing that's missing for them is, is the placement of the ball on the pitch. And that's what we do. We, we come in there and we provide that, that commentary, specialist commentary, audio description commentary. And uh, it's, it is the final piece. But just that little facet we provide allows all those other sort of, you know, sensory um, 
things to, to come into play. And, and, and that there for me is intrinsic to what we're talking about because there for those fans, for the blind and visually impaired, their whole um, sort of ethos of, of when Saturday comes doesn't change. So it, it doesn't stop just because one of their senses, you know, has been cruelly taken away. Um, it continues as because we're you know we're we're providing that a little as I say final piece of the jigsaw. Sorry if I've gone on there, but I'm trying to make it as relative as as possible. Yeah, not at all, Steve. And and listeners, I mean, isn't that a, you know what I love about what Steve just said? There is, you know, Steve um, for me is one of millions of unsung heroes out there you know as i said the modesty he didn't sort of oh look it's, it didn't come on you know i've had to force that issue in a nice respectful way to say come on steve open up but steve i think typifies you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of modest unassuming very humble game changers in the world um that are doing these selfless things that to make the world a better place for others and you know i mean you know just imagine a world without those uh, you know those kind of people blimey would it wouldn't it be a, a stark horrible place um creativity steve you know there again i've had that benefit of of seeing some of your your stuff behind closed scenes so to speak um before you give us instances of, you know, some of the things to share, if you want to share, why do you feel well, it's important in life for us as individuals to have this thing called creativity, whatever form that takes? I think um, <laughs> it's it's the unknown, it's the kind of not the audience, but, the, the, the you know, the people you're reaching out to and the people you can positively affect by your creativity so having gone into the commentary myself that's got a massive positive effect on the blind and visually impaired and, and um obviously i do a little bit of writing as well um about about football and mainly nottingham forest again but the, when you hear the feedback and you know some people say oh it makes my day to have a you know have a, a little read of your rant or whatever <laughs> and it's as long as something's got a positive feedback if your creativity is is drawing in some positivity you know the two together is a great thing and and that's as simple as, as it is really it's just as long as it the creativity can create a positive effect uh, you know whether that creativity be whatever you know like we said going down the the, the ground if you if you're volunteering to be a, a st john's ambulance or or, or anything really if it's got a positive effect on it then the creativity is great because it just adds that bit of colour and, and shade to the world and, uh, you know, makes it uh, a life less ordinary, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. You mentioned writing there, Steve. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, if I may. If, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let, let's be let's be totally creative here. If, you know, that simple, that simple word, if. But if, if you was going to write a chapter in a book that just yeah. coincidentally, in a world of no coincidences, was going to be published on the 1st of November and even more coincidentally was going to be called Mastering the Game of Life. If you was going to put a chapter in there, Steve, what would you call that? That's, that's putting you on the spot to be creative. That is. That is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> 
Um, if you were to put me on the spot, probably the first thing that popped into my head was two keywords I'd used, you know, um, creating positivity. Um, um, or, yeah, or, um, yeah, I think that, that is the first thing that popped into my head, as simple as it is. It's not the most exciting, but... Uh, uh, that's that is you put me on the spot so there you go <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure we, we've got a working title we've got a working title superb uh, and i think you know you angle that like uh dare i say a true pro steve you've obviously you know you know the way around the commentary box so to speak um i mean you know Steve, there again, we've spoke about the philosophy of life, you know, the game of life, mastering the game of life, which is very much what my life's vocation uh, has been from an early age, and the game of football. And the reason I chose mastering the game of life was because of the very profound influences football had on me from a very early age and throughout my life. And, um, and so... Just to throw a term at you, Steve, that's been used in football, which equally I think could be applied in life, although could it, and that's the big question, could it, when we refer to the beautiful game, my question to you, Steve, is, is it still the beautiful game in football and in life? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I would put my own slant on that, and, and I prefer to call it the people's game. Um, you know, because it draws, as we both know, every race, religion, age, sex, you know, every kind of walk of life. Uh, it doesn't matter what sexual orientation you are. It doesn't matter how quiet you are, how introvert, how extrovert. If you love football, you know, you go, you sit, you watch, you and, and you're part of that uh, community. So for me, it's the, the people's game. But to answer your question, the beautiful game, I don't know. Sometimes when I, when I, I'm always careful to use the word beauty because uh, in this day and age, when you, you know, we've all got social media and we see what people are posting. Uh, I think beauty has been sort of masked or, or confused with vanity in a lot of ways. So mm. I think I'm going to be, uh, go back to my roots and, and, and stick with the beautiful game. Uh, sorry, with the people's game. Yeah, yeah. Mentioned something there, Steve. Wow, this is going to take us off at a, uh, a tangent. The keyboard warriors, social oh. media. Wow, I mean, should we go here? Yeah, we're going to go here. What's, <laughs> you know, I mean, hasn't that changed the game, Steve? There again, football and, and life, social media. Yeah, it has. And, and it's, you know, it, it can be Beauty or the Beast, as we both know. And, you know, we've we both sort of scrolled down threads in horror and looked at some of the things people have posted. And uh, and then, you know, in awe at the, some of the beauty you see on there, uh, so, you know. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it really is a game. It, it really has changed our lives, hasn't it, social media? And mm -hmm. I just, if, if I could give anyone any advice, you know, I'm just, just a layman off the street, but if I could give anybody any advice, even if there was a young listener out there who's just started using social media, trying, this is the way I do it. I, I try and conduct myself on social media when I'm answering someone, responding to someone on a post, whether it be negative or positive that, you know, that they've, they've thrown at me. I try and answer them as if I'm sat in a pub with them and, and I can see them. And I think, you know, would I F and Jeff in your face? Would I call you a C or a B or the rest of it? Would I raise my voice to you? No, I wouldn't. I'd, 
I'd say, no, oh, come on, mate. You know, I think, and I try and find an articulate way around it. And I think if you can work with that analogy, that's just the way I do it. Um, and I get, you know, with, with a lot of the writing, because I'm not a professional, I'm not nowhere near you like to be Daniel Taylor's and people like that. Um, I'm just a columnist. I'm just a, like a blogger. So, you know, my level is, is a lot, well, you know, it's, it's novice level compared to them. And so I, you know, I often get comments about my level and the fact that I don't have um, qualifications and so on and so forth. And, and I answer them with, you know, I, I, I always like to answer. I've got a, a sort of uh, a key phrase that I use opinion fully respected. So if someone comes at me with a, you know, I think you know, you're, you're a bit of a charlatan. You're not a journo. You're not thinking, oh, that's fine. Opinion fully respected because I do respect it. Um, and you know, I often find that when I say that, I think, well, that's the sort of thing I'd say to them face to face. And more often than not, the response after that is more, you know, is a cordial one. And I find it's, uh, it, it sort of smooths the, those rough edges, but uh, yeah, sorry, I've gone on again, but going forward, uh, I think, it, that's the best analogy for me personally to take is, is that, but you know, I know a lot of the, the younger generation don't see it like that. It's their chance to, to rant, rant at the world. And, and as you know, Paul, for, from your background, there, there are facets of the way, you know, if social media was around, I, I wonder, would you, given your circumstances at, at the teenage years, would you have turned to that? I wonder. To social media. Yeah, and to and to vent those those angers and frustrations. Uh, that is a phenomenal question. Wow, um, nothing like turning the tables here, Steve. Is there? <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. Um, <laughs> love. What do they call it in tennis? Love. Is it fifteen or whatever? Deuce, deuce. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Showing my lack of knowledge here about tennis. Um, what a phenomenal question that is. Um, wow, and that deserves a very um, normally, I'd kind of, you know, depending on the level of question, so, well, I don't know, Steve, it's one of those things, isn't it? That's a question mm. that uh, does not merit a brush off. What would I have done? Okay, listeners, so just to give this this context to this absolutely brilliant question that Steve's asked there, um, listen, it's been well documented, both in my books and on the podcasts. Now we're over, so that we're nearly 250 podcasts in. Um, around my, you know, and I'm not going to shy away from the words, suicide attempt at 13 and a half, something very profound happened that day. That was on the back of two very bad results for Nottingham Forest, the team that Steve and I are talking about in 19, in March 1974, and I just couldn't cope anymore. So I was going through from the age of eight onwards till, uh, till that, you know, five and a half years later, that suicide. And, and it was a real attempt as well. Something very profound happened um, there to stop me. And, um, but what would I have done? My intuitive, uh, I'm going to be thinking about this now. What would I have done? <laughs> And I don't think I'll change from this answer because I am actually quite a private person. I'm a very private person. And, you know, I, from an early age, Steve, I understood that my role was to help support others. Um, you know, I really struggled for many years to have anybody do me a favour. I was the one that did the favour. I did the giving, 
Now, I know mm. subsequently there's a lot of control in that. That was about me and my insecurity and my vulnerability and me being able to control the situation. And I've let all that go. Um, and that's why now, you know, there's a big lesson in there for us listeners, isn't there? That if somebody does pay us a compliment, you know, a, a wise old sage told me many years ago, if somebody's big enough to pay you a compliment, you be bigger and accept it with grace. And those mm -hmm. words, and that was a man of the cloth that told me that, and those words didn't mean anything, but it's interesting how I never forgot them. And uh, they, they've come back to, um, you know, to to hold strong with me. Going back to your question, mm -hmm. Steve, um, I wouldn't have done. I know I wouldn't have done because, mm -hmm. I mean, you look at, you know, the... The work I do, as you say, you know, we've got guests and uh, and listeners around the globe, and but my social media presence is, um, so the experts say it's not very good, Paul. Mm, okay, well, this is my mode of communicating with people. Um, it's the next best thing to being, you know, having a cup of tea and a slice of cake face to face. I, I love that old fashioned powwow. You know, we sit around a fire, we sing a song, we tell a tale, we dance, we do whatever to entertain mm. each other as a tribe. I massively believe in that, dare I say, that yeah. old school caveman mentality. Um mm. So I know, Stephen, I've said earlier on, I'd have to think about it. Uh, I wouldn't actually, because I know that I wouldn't yeah. have done anything different to than what I did in 1974. Um, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't, but it's a brilliant question. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to turn the tables on you. It was just, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it's just going yeah. to do <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's the beauty of spontaneity and creativity, isn't it? You know, mm. um, in football terms, that's how we unlock tight defences. You know, one of the parallels I've drawn, Steve, in life is, is you know, we can get quite defensive as human beings. I certainly was for decades because of my cynical upbringing. I didn't trust people. My attitude towards life was closed. It was defeatist. It was negative because that's what I'd been taught as a young child. You know, mm. get in first, win at all costs, kill or be killed. I'm all right, Jack. Don't bother about anybody else. Look after number one. That yeah. was what I understood from a very, very early age. I mean, it took a lot of unravelling that did over the years, um, and I'm totally the other way now. The irony is, by focusing us on ourselves from a heart-centred perspective, you know, it's no coincidence, Steve, is it, that the thing that keeps us alive is our heart. You know, there's a bit, there's a big telltale sign in there for all of us. Yeah, you know, look to your heart for the for the uh, for the answers. It's been proven that the heart's got intelligence as well at a far higher level than. Um, you know, than we've got intellectually. Um, so there's all, anyway, I'm kind of going off on the scientific route there. But this this simplicity of life, the simplicity of the game of football, and I believe it is massively a simple game. And, and I think life is too. I absolutely think life is a very simple game. Steve, what's your thoughts on that comment? Yeah, I'm 100% with you on both there, um... So years and years back, I was in what's now the academy at Forest, and and they just used to say to us, you know, it was when Brian Clough was there, and all the coaches used to say, football is a very simple game. Mm. Don't you know overcomplicate it. Basically, just pass the ball. They used to just say to us, 
pass and control the ball at speed. And that was it. <laughs> Those were the instructions. If you can pass and control the ball, you know, that is it. Um, and you're absolutely right. The analogy to life, life is so simple, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, we make it in my, just in my opinion, again, you know, I'm not going to pontificate and tell people, you know, that, the my way is the highway. It's not. It's just my my outlook on life. But you're absolutely right. I, I, I'm so with you because I think the things that in my life that have complicated money, uh, that have complicated the situation, you know, have been moments of greed or, or you know, um, negativity that have, have been from materialistic things. And the best moments in my life have been, like you say you sort of alluded to earlier, the sort of round the fire with the family moments and, you know, they're irreplaceable. Um, and yeah, absolutely right. I think the, 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 the more simplistic your life is, the less complicated. And I, I just think the more you enjoy it. And um, whether you're a rich man or a poor man, we, we, we spoke about wealth off air. Um, it's funny. It, it comes back to a saying that uh, one of my favorite sayings that I, I kind of made up myself, but it goes back to that. I, I always say there's an honesty in poverty um, mm. because you, you, you lack the materialistic things, but you know, nobody can strip away that, that beauty that you've got inside you, that core, you know, that creativity that's locked inside you, that doesn't cost anything. Mm. And, and that positivity and that empathy you have for others. So, yeah, I'm with you again. But again, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going around the houses. You can tell I commentate because I never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah, moving swiftly on, um, Steve. <laughs> we, we seem to say this. You know, we've seemed to have been saying this quite a bit, but it's true around the you know the off-air conversation. So, listeners, um, one of the things that I'm obviously privy to with that, and I'll leave it for Steve in terms of how far he wants to go with this. Um, I'll just do the intro. Steve's got control of where he takes that. But I know Steve himself has undergone a journey of transformation. So I just invite you in, Steve, to to share what to whatever degree you feel appropriate, comfortable with, what that, you know, what that is, how you came through it, and I suppose more pertinently, what part did creativity play in that process? Yeah, again, that's you know, that's a great question. And I think I'll, I'll go straight into the, the loss of my two sisters. I lost both my sisters within um, sort of the last seven years, one to cancer, one to alcoholism. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky because I'm from a big Irish family, so we sort of, you know, rallied round for one another. But there is a massive, massive void left by my sisters. And, and I do think that any time I, as I say, my basic level of, of the things I do create, but when I do, you know, produce something that, that gets a few reads and, and put smiles on people's faces instantaneously, I think of my sisters cause I think, yeah, they'd love that. They'd love to, to, to read this and, or, you know, they'd uh, love to hear that bit of commentary and, and it, that creativity, they growing up because I was the youngest of five and they were my two eldest sisters. Um, they always promoted, and pushed me to do anything positive, whether it was football or whatever. So, yeah, just to answer the question, I don't really have I'm, – I'm lucky because of the, the big family that, that I'm not, you know, constantly hurting about the, the passing of my sisters, but it's left a huge hole. But, boy, does it help to fill it when, when I do something positive 
and I know for a fact that that they were they you know they're the catalysts for it. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that, Steve. It's uh, yeah, it's very poignant. I want to ask you a big question, Steve. As the um, as the re- as the metaphoric referee starts to uh, look at his watch and, and put the whistle towards his mouth, um, <laughs> closing embers of the game and all that. Um, I always finish off with guests with one big question, but I want to park that for a moment because I like the guests to stew a little bit as well. <laughs> Especially as if you, you just equalised with that humongous question. I've got to get a winner, Steve. I've got to get a winner. I'm sure you understand. <laughs> um, before we ask that question and that uh, that final um, that final part um Steve, how can people reach out to you? How can people find out more about you, make contact with you? Um, I'm on um, Twitter, um, at FitzCorry, F-I-T-Z-C-O-R-R-Y. That's a a mixture, an amalgamation of my two family names, Fitzpatrick and Corry. I'm also on on Facebook, Steve Corry. It'll be under sort of Nottingham. Um, And yeah, you can have a look on there and you can read my ramblings about football. And I often... Veer off and do a bit of poetry and things like that as well. So if you're not into football, you can have a read of that. But by all means, yeah, get in touch because you know I uh, I welcome any contact from from like-minded human beings. So yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. And I'm sure you'll agree, listeners, that you know that not only the humility but the warmth that's come across from from Steve is you know this is surely this is what makes the world go round for us you know whether we've actually personally met the the guy or not you know he or she you know by talking by listening by watching tv whatever that medium is of that i call it the dance that exchange of energy uh, and i think steve's a great mm-hmm. example of what i call a world game changer which i alluded to earlier on around the book that's the mastering the game of life um, that's coming out on the 1st of November 2020. And it is around world game changes. And one of the things I do, and this is pertinent to, to what me and Steve are talking about here, and I think great learning for all of us, one of the things I do in the introduction is is actually say, right, okay, readers, before you, let's get straight into it and let's be straight about this. I've made a big claim on the front of this book, World Game Changes. So... Maybe, just maybe, because I don't want to make assumptions around what the reader's thinking, but maybe the reader might be thinking, oh, okay, so these are the real kind of movers and shakers in the world that's, you know, saving the elephants and and building, you know, schools in Africa and and putting Mm -hmm. millions into charities. And it's like, no, no. And I always use the example of a pebble. Look how small and insignificant we think a pebble is. Two Mm. things there. Put it in your shoe and try walking around with it. Then it's not insignificant. And the other one, drop it in a river and watch it ripple. Two totally contrasting scenarios there for a simple thing like a pebble. Mm. And I put that in the context of game changes. So I suppose it's kind of wrapped in with the, the good Samaritan parable. You know, who's given the most? The person that's got, well, let's use modern day currency, a euro, but gives that euro away, or a person that's got 500 million euros and gives 10 euros away. Yeah, you could say it brings in the question of judgment there. Maybe it does. No apologies for that. But 
I think there's so much, Steve, isn't there, around world game changers, these humble, very self you know, self-effacing people that just, oh, Paul, don't make a force. It's no big deal. I, I just do that anyway. And, oh, stop, mm. stop going on about it. I get that regularly. And uh, and I love to push it. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, right. The big question then, Steve, the big question. What would be your best piece of advice to leave to the world in terms of mastering the game of life? Um, simple, four words, spend time, not money. Wow. I say this so many times, and it's not very often I get silence, but I'm silent because what I've found, <laughs> Steve, is the answers that are simple are very, very, very powerful. There's no... You know, there's no in-depth explanation needed about that. It says what it does on the tin, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, I think that a lot of the simplistic ones do. And as I'm looking across towards the uh, the halfway line, Steve, I can see the referee has got the whistle and they think it's all over. It is now. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. 